Hello and welcome to the August 2014 edition of the TetraCast RPG Sites Monthly Podcast. My name is Zach Reese. I am your host. Joining us today is David Kreinberg. Yo. Adam Vitali. How is it August already? You know, summer just flew no. by. I I can't believe it just because not only is Gamescom around the corner, but they're already talking about E3 again. It's it's one of those periods. Well, it just feels like it almost feels like E3 was yesterday, or you know, it's like wait, that was two months ago. Okay. It's really I bad. Can't imagine E3 again right now. Oh, no. and we're still working oh. on stuff from it too. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Oh, and by the way, joining us for this month's podcast is someone we haven't had in a bit. Elizabeth Hengis. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. We needed someone to fill the gap. <laughs> might, be, um, might, be more, might be quieter with Simon not around. <laughs> yeah. Well, considering last time, it was just Simon and Ron yelling at me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we... Not to say that that won't happen again, but we'll enjoy it ourselves. So... Yeah, uh, for for this month, I mean, for July, it wasn't really wasn't really that eventful as far as releases are concerned. Yep. So, but at least for this time, we're going to be kind of delving back into our backlogs. I'm assuming you, everyone here, kind of just you know spend time playing the old games they didn't get a chance to play it before. Yeah, sometimes it's nice. Yeah, sometimes it's nice in the summer to get a break from the new releases and just, you know, get time to actually play the games rather than buying them. That's pretty much. I mean, I've gotten so many games, and they had that Steam summer sale, and I just didn't. I bought a bunch of games, and I haven't touched it. I did what everyone else does. I tried to feed into that con- that that contest they were doing where you were a part of a team and trying to beat everybody else before so you can get the games off your wish list. Yeah. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes, yes. We just added Erin to our call. Apparently, she was having trouble with her Skype just a moment ago. Yeah, um, it's still kind of messed up, so hopefully... Um, sounds good to me. Yeah, sounds fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. We started just a little bit ago, so um, I we're trying to get Erin back in the call, so good to see that you joined us um, after a little break in between so yeah we were we were just talking about how july was a pretty lazy month all things considered yeah there really wasn't a lot going on i guess in terms of anything really well there was the destiny beta any i didn't get into that any of you guys get play destiny at all Nah. I did not, even though today uh, my fiancé was like, hey, you should have downloaded the Destiny beta, and I was like, uh, you should have said Sunday. something, like, last week, dude. That ended last Sunday. I made the joke today about that, too, and I I really wanted to play it just because I'm also, I was a big Halo fan, and Bungie, of course, the creators of it, worked on Destiny, and it's got the RPG hooks that I was kind of interested in. I felt like because I, I enjoyed Mass Effect, like, this is kind of my next step um, I, with the whole MMO aspect to it, but no, I only played, um, God, like, 20 minutes of it, and I was really excited for it. <laughs> Just yeah. Life yeah, I mean, the thing with betas is I tend to not really like to play them anyway, because I want to, like, when the game finally comes out, I just kind of 
want to get into it then and not have to go through stuff that I've already seen, you know? Yeah, it's like when you're playing, well, with the beta, of course, you're worried about, like, the wipe at the end of it all. It's like I did that work. Uh, the the best, you, the most you got out of it was the experience, but it's it's the same with me and demos. Like, you just... Yeah, oh, yeah, like, I feel the same way, which is why I might, like, I'll download a demo, but I might try it for a couple minutes, and then usually I turn it off. Yeah, uh, it's it's mostly if it's if it's straight up like a demo where all you do is join a battle or something like that. I'm, I'm more for that. But when they start to get into the story stuff, it's like no, I I don't want to get a little piece of this. I want to just sit down and soak it in when it comes out. So I mean, for all for all things considered, I mean Destiny the beta. I'm sure. I mean I heard that there was some pretty solid amount of content. I think. You can only get to like level eight, if I'm not mistaken, in the beta. And so there was only kind of pieces of it. And I'm sure with the beta that they didn't put a lot of stuff into it because they're just trying to save it for the big release. Yeah. So like story stuff and things like that. So yeah. Well, yeah, I mean that's pretty much part of the course for most games that have a pretty involved story. So. Yeah, especially with a game like that that isn't full on MMORPG. It's it's more like from People have kind of compared it to, like, Fantasy Star Online, where you join into, like, a hub, and then you have, like, these missions that you get from a, count, a person, and then you go off into these certain areas and take on these quests, or, like, get dropped in the middle of a certain map and just start from there, things like that. So, um, all yeah, all, it's it's not that... It wasn't that cohesive at this time. Well, all in all, it seems like it ended up being, you know, a good idea that Bungie did this, because I know... At least before the alpha, which was, you know, probably a month ago now or more, there's a little bit of hesitation on what this game actually is. And, you know, getting people yeah. a chance to play it, you know, obviously gets people talking about it. And, you know, now it's, if it wasn't already, it might be one of the biggest releases of the fall. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously like, it was, it's, it's kind of funny party. because when the beta came out, a lot of um, people that I know who play Final Fantasy fourteen like, you could tell that Destiny, like, a lot of people had gone to play Destiny because the server was pretty much dead during that time. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a lot of the whole explanation about what Destiny is is was on Bungie because they, they could not explain that game. I mean, it's just like an RPG where it's like it's hard to explain it until you kind of play it yourself. So that's... I also got that. Like, the people that I follow on Twitter who play Final Fantasy XIV, they were all talking about Destiny at that time, which was neat, weird. And so it kind of makes you wonder, not not to be critical of it, but, like, when Destiny actually does come out, like, what's what's that going to do to the other games where, like, on the place? Because it's, it's, um, Destiny, obviously, is, is only going to be on Xbox One and PS4, and so it's not like it's going to affect the PC market at all, but... Like, how many of those people who are console gamers are going to be playing Destiny instead of Final Fantasy XIV or another MMO? I'm sure it's not going to be that big a difference. They probably just wanted to play it because it was free at the time. Like, make them also try to pay for Final Fantasy XIV that they put their time into. Like, I wonder what that's going to do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I already know a couple people who have already left the game for Destiny. So. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean it's it's okay. I mean they've been they played for a while, and I can understand why they left. But I mean, they wanted to move on to something else. That's perfectly all right with me. 
Well, how soon is it until Final Fantasy fourteen has their next big like content update? Um, well, the next meaningful patch, I guess you could say, isn't going to be coming out until, um, probably sometime in October at this point. Oh, yeah, and obviously Destiny comes out in September. I mean, you know, it could be the thing where they just, in between, when they, you know, they hit the end of what Final Fantasy XIV offers, they can jump over to Destiny, because Destiny doesn't have, like, a monthly subscription or anything like that, so they can just... At that point, at that point, it kind of depends on the long game. Like, what is Destiny going to be doing, you know, a year from now, and what's Final Fantasy XIV going to be doing a year from now? Well, um, I mean, at least for the PlayStation Four stuff, they promised I, a bunch of content yeah, and I'm not first really access. Sure. So it's yeah, it's it, and you know, it's kind of like Fantasy Star Online once again. Going back, it's what they have to keep kind of adding in missions and things like that to the end. All these um, their big um, raids that they do. Um, they have to keep adding those those arena battles and those uh, big, uh, I forget the term that they use, but basically it's like when everyone gets together and goes out on this, takes down like a big monster. Oh, a big, you're talking about a raid? Yeah, just those raids that they do. Yeah, that's they are going to, they said they're going to be planning more of those, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they carry Destiny, just because it's such, it's not, It's it's once again, it's not a typical just an online sh- um, online game where, you know, it's um, they have all these d- different systems. Like, it's not like Final Fantasy fourteen where, you know, you have this big world and there's always something going on at any point. You can just join a party. Here it's like when there's also a single-player part of it, like when you hit the end of the story, where, where do things go from there? It's how much they want to invest in that. But, you know, as Adam said, the beta was apparently extremely successful. I think they said, like, over 4 million people participate in the beta alone, so that's kind of nuts, considering it's not even out yet, so. Yeah, I I think it's definitely, like, there's lots of big games coming out, you know, like, there's the typical Assassin's Creed Call of Duty, but, like, Destiny's got, like, the most, like, I think, you know, all the commotion about it, you know, it's a new IP, it's on the next-gen consoles, you know, uh, had this huge beta, so yeah, it's, it could be pretty huge, and there there isn't much, it's it, there's a couple of other games coming out in September, but like nothing nearly on the same scale. So it's it could be massive. <laughs> yeah, I mean at this point, it's really it's really kind of odd how things have kind of shifted recently. Where September has been getting more and more crowded, and October has been slowly just shrinking down a bit. It's kind of funny because Wait, you think like. So? I mean, yeah, because like Middle Earth, Shadow Mordor, that was it's always going to be a year by year thing. September. Well, I'm I'm not speaking, you know, the month itself. I'm talking about just strictly how things have been going lately. Where Dragon Age was delayed until November. Yeah, Dragon and then Age. Moved, yeah, Dragon Age moved to November. Uh, middle, uh, middle. What's it called? It's not Lord of the Middle Earth, Earth Shadow of Mordor. Uh, uh, moved to September, I guess. Yeah, the end of September. Well, Although I think they, the, like they. Move Dragon Age because they delayed Battlefield until like early next year, right? Yeah, Battlefield. Um, they delayed that to springtime to give them more time. Dragon Age. They they said they needed some more time, and EA is all about apparently lately been all about give them as much time as they need to make it look good. I guess. Yeah, EA said something about that a couple months ago. Like they're, yeah. They'd be willing to delay, delay games after what happened with Battlefield last year. Like, well, I guess. Well, like, and so September, I mean, honestly, August and September look kind of nuts, because September is like, well, you know, because you got Destiny, but you also got Danganronpa 2, it's coming out that month, 
you got Arno Surge and Natural Doctrine. Well, there's, yeah, there's quite a, there's, there's a handful of these Japanese more niche titles, certainly. Yeah, but as far as like the Western side, I mean, you have Destiny and you have Metal Earth, but they're on opposite sides of the month. And, you know, obviously different audiences and things like that. So that's this entire fall is pretty crowded as far as just, well, it's weird. It's like October's not that crowded, but September and November, is, it's kind of nuts because you also have like the Pokemon games. November, and Persona Q in November. I mean, I don't know how big Persona Q is going to be because that's a dungeon crawler. It's not anything like the other Persona games. I think I think the uh, popularity of Persona Four and like now they have the Persona Four Arena games, and I think just the brand alone is worth something now. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true. I mean, it's, it's it kind no, of filters it's, out the rest of its stuff, but you know, people are just waiting for next year for I when Pod comes out. So who knows? I, I, yeah, I mean, who knows when that's coming out though. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because I mean, what was it? Persona Four. They announced it for localization in July of the same year, and then it came out like in that early December. Was it like December eighth or something? Um, if I yeah, if I remember right, they announced the localization pretty early, and it came out pretty soon after. Because like I mean, Anime Expo or something like that. It's I mean, it came out in two thousand eight, which. Was oh, two thing. years after the PS3 came out, so they kind of had to kind of get that out there because you know it's kind of funny going back and seeing like all these games that had their first title come out after the PS3 came out, like the Art and Elico series. Like the first one, I think, came out in 2007 on the PlayStation 2 of that series. That oh, like the trilogy. Just thinking about that and how people are reacting to games being announced for the last consoles. Well, there, today, there, aren't, there aren't very many games. Well, I guess there are. Well, I guess Persona. I, I forgot Persona Five is PS3 still. It tells us Asteria. Yeah. Get that. <laughs> and those, you know, could be easily be 2015, or they are. Definitely. Yeah, although I wouldn't be surprised if Namco ports that game to PS4 with like extra content later on for more money. Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, they're they're spending all this time with you know creating new assets and everything for Asteria. They're going to port it. They're going to make a sequel to it. You know, they're going to try to write off of that. Yeah. Oh, like you know it. That's, like, their main thing. That's how they operate. That's how a lot of companies operate now. Well, it's, it's like, it's reassuring, I'm sure, that seeing... It, it's, it's really kind of crazy because, like, I bought a PlayStation 3 the spring that it came out. And so, or like, spring, like, March 2007. And so, at that time, like... There was barely any RPGs. Like what I, the, the only games that they really had at that time was like folklore and like Enchanted Arms and stuff like that. It was it's kind of dry. Uh, I mean, folklore is a great game, but it was pretty dry as far as those games. And it's like now they're already announcing like these big PS4 titles and even like Western like Exceed announcing like Activist Trip Two for the PS4. It's like yeah, that'll come here, you know, later this year or something like that. And it's like. That's really good to hear because now I don't have to like be too concerned that it's gonna do a repeat. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't feeling like it was anyway, but at the same time, just how things were before, it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, oh, I, to be fair, I, I wasn't like aware of how the PlayStation Two went at that time, you know. Yeah. Well, I I, I mean, I'd argue I'm not exactly sure what you're arguing. It seems to be very similar. I mean, there aren't I wouldn't call Occupus Trip or uh, what else is there? Um, Natural Doctrine, like as big RPGs on PS4. Um, yet we're still waiting for those. Well, to be fair, yeah, it's like, I mean, I, I it's gonna, those. it's probably still gonna be a bit, but 
I think it's important that we're seeing a lot of the more niche stuff already come over and well you know, if, if Yakuza once, came out here I'm sure people once would be those games crazy. come out then hopefully by then the bigger titles will also start to come out and that's that's how it was before like uh, with the PS3 like it wasn't until 2008 that some of the bigger titles came out like Valkyria Chronicles didn't come out until that year. Even if it was right. at that time, of course, people were like, well, whatever, it's a strategy game. And then it became bigger. But even, like, was it Metagross Solid 4 didn't come out to that year. So it's like the bigger titles are always, like, a couple years out because they need time. So, I don't know. I haven't heard much from Liz. Hey, Liz. Hey, like, hey. Do you own a new console? Um, the only console I really own is a Wii U, so I don't really have oh, much to you're say. Investing in the <laughs> waiting for uh, Xenoblade X or what's it called? Xenoblade Chronicles X, the dumbest name. I mean, it's, <laughs> it it's really probably is. a good game, but man, it's just they couldn't call it Xenoblade Two or something. Like they had to put an X at the end, so it's XCX. <laughs> Maybe it has some meaning in the context of the story. I don't know. Is that what they're really thinking, or is it just? I don't know. <laughs> Like yeah. we don't we don't really even know if it's like a direct sequel or more of just a like in the same universe or is it just kind of a successor? I don't even like in terms of its the story and whatnot. Like yeah, same developers, similar gameplay, but I don't know. <laughs> we really like that X in that title. Let's put two of them in there. And <laughs> X squared. Oh, that's a that's a, that's well, a, I mean, it's it's actually cross. So cross. Who knows? Oh, like Chronicles Cross. Oh, yeah, that's that's what they say in Japan. It's cross, <sighs> not X. <laughs> and it sounds so much button. better. Yeah, it's a I guess. Button on your controller. So yeah, it's. I think that as far as, but I, I mean, like, even if none of some of the bigger titles aren't coming here, I'm like, I'm still excited for the stuff that is coming here. Like, even if I'm not in the company that really is really into these games, like. The Neptunia Victory sequel, they, people are saying it's going to go on the PS3, but it's coming to the PS4. I think that's really cool that even Sick. if the graphics aren't that amazing, I think it's just the fact that it's already seen those super niche titles already go there. Yeah, and I, even I, at Tokyo I think, Game I think, Show. I think like, you're super excited for Omega Quintet, right? Not really. <laughs> I don't know what that game is, but it's, it's, it's even uh, looking at <laughs> well, all those, it's like an the first idol time I RPG. saw that game, I was like, hmm, this is totally is that game. I probably That's buy what it. I was thinking. I'd probably yeah. pick it up. I mean, I'll probably, I'll probably, I'll, probably, I'll, I'll be reviewing it, I'm sure. But it's, it's that, and then, but I guess the cool thing was, like, not that long ago, they, someone got, like, a flyer where they were teasing Disgaea 5, which was obvious, because they were, everyone knew that that well, was coming, but. Nice. But that's going to be on the PS4. It's going to be kind of cool to see what they can do with that technology. Didn't uh, Nice already announce that they're working on a PS4 title? So it's that's no, that's, they, that's what I'm saying is that yeah, like, they announced that like, supposedly it's going to be announced at Tokyo Game Show. Yeah, so, we'll so it's likely Disgaea Five. I mean, what else would it be? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious that it's probably going to be that, but you know. Yeah, I think it's uh, at the same time like all these companies having so much trouble lately. It's it's kind of nice to see that happening. And you know, it's like you hope that with um, Sega and Atlas joining together, it's that there's a much more uh, a bigger opportunity, a, a bigger reason to bring over some of their titles. Like if they just straight up announced that Yakuza Five is coming here, and like Fantasy Star Online Two, let's port that to the PS4, let's bring it here too, or something like that. It's it's because it's more closer to the PC, the PS4 is. So it's it's seeing stuff like that. I mean, the I, title, would, I would kind of hope it. I think the Japanese 
like next gen titles will come. It just might take a while. Yeah. You know, they're they're not con- they're not as console centric as they were, you know, as they used to be. So, but yeah. Japan needs it right now. They need. Yeah, to- it's kind of depressing. <laughs> like I saw that report the other day about how the mobile market had reached like over five billion, and it was like out- a hardware and software combined or something. Yeah, and I I opened the thread and I was just I read a couple lines and I was just like, well. That's, that's just how it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but at the same, that's why, you know, seeing Japanese companies come out in front and say that they're going to make games for the new consoles, it's like, even if that's going on, it's like, you kind of hope that it follows, but at the same time, it kind of opens your eyes and also says that, well, you know, even if Japan's market is shrinking for that industry, it's like, they can see that the. The people in the West are big on Japanese game, very Japanese games, and so still being willing to do that kind of thing. And you know, there's plenty of other games that are kind of more tailored towards us, like Bloodborne, you know, and um, that new um, what's that? What's that um, new? I'm not sure what you're referring to. I'm, I'm trying to think okay. of the uh, Grasshopper. Oh. It was like Lily Bergano, or no? They they, that game was canceled. Oh yeah, they (laughs) They they kind of molded that into something else. I mean, is that game even an RPG though? I don't even know. It is. It's an online like RPG. But it's like a it's like a free to play thing, right? Yeah, something along the lines of like a Deep Down only. Yeah, I mean, Deep Down is definitely like westernized. Oh, it was um, Let It Die. Yeah. That's it. It's 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 because it, you know it's an RPG because over the heads of the monsters they had levels and you saw experience points and things like that. So at the at the very least, Suda Fifty One's going kind of kind of like Destiny, kind of got that RPG hook into it. But Lily oh, Pajama. Uh, every time someone's going to mention that game, I'm going to get depressed because they canceled that game. Well, they they took all the assets and they said that's never going to happen. We just took what we had and moved it into Let It Die, and it's yeah, generic. Yeah, I, I read that, and I was like, well, that's, I mean, so, maybe they just weren't happy with the sales of some of their other stuff that looks similar. The best-selling game, like the, the Lollipop Chase. Oh, yeah, like Lollipop. What is their best, what is their most Lollipop Chase game? It is. Lollipop, I mean, it, it did better than No More Heroes. Lollipop Chainsaw did pretty damn well. Um, maybe better. they thought that hmm, this like art style can't appeal to anybody but Japan, but I don't know. Like when companies think that way, I think they kind of paint themselves into a corner. Yeah, it's like they're going way too. Like they forget where they came from, and they're like trying to. It's it's the same reason why you've seen so many of these developers leave the companies like Konami and Capcom. It's like they say, hey, we want to make this game, and then and then people are like, no, 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 you have to make this game. It's They force that the execs are like, no, we know the market, they want this, they only buy this stuff. I guess you can kind of say that about the Moe market too, in a way, but that's just how they move them away, and then you have like um, Shinji Mikami, and you know, those types of people getting off on their own, and that's you know, and that's and I'm all for that. You know, it's if they're going to be releasing smaller titles, it just people that are in a small group they can make some pretty amazing things. And so, even like was it in Final Fantasy, like Square Enix, like they were talking about, like we made some of our best content when we were had a small budget and we were like backed into a corner, and 
some of our best stuff came from that. It's like, hey, I, I don't, why? I, I yeah, it. when they <laughs> said that, I was just like, hmm. I don't remember them saying that. <laughs> they totally did, yeah. Yeah, there, there's an interview, I think, with Kitase where he was talking yes. about how, like, for example, with Final Fantasy VI, they had to work within their limitations, and because of that, they were able to make something that was super great, um, but not, like, it didn't rely on, like, style over substance, which is a huge problem with a lot of their more recent games. Yeah, exactly. And and, and that's the thing, is that you, you, you would think that they'll kind of be more, like, self-inflected like they're just trying to understand that people but it it doesn't help when you have these fans begging them for hd ports and remakes and things like that it's like hey guys yeah i really wish people would stop begging for a final fantasy 7 remake because it's probably never going to live up to their expectations anyway i just now remember that they even announced the type zero port (laughs) Like, that's, that's actually happening. That's the uh, thing. Yeah, right? that whole thing is still kind of dumb. It's dumb, and, like, just how people are reacting to that news. It's just... I, that's And that's how I'm, like, uh, just HD ports in a whole. It's, it's just, like, they're kind of neat, but I don't really want to... I, I, I don't well, really want to Well, it's just kind it. of an awkward situation. It's a game that people were looking forward to, you know, years ago, and then, like... Right around the time when, you know, there's a fan translation coming out and, you know, people who are still interested are going to get a chance to play it in English somehow, then they announce, like, we're going to be porting it to PS4. Uh, so it's like PlayStation Portable to PS4, and now, right. we're, now we're basically playing the waiting game again, where it's like, okay, when is this going to come out? Like, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like this, the people that need to... It's like, for me, personally, it, it feels like, Square Enix is becoming more and more like an like Activision. Like when you go to when when I went to E3, it's like they had like two or three big games. Now it's about it. And like you you kind of think about what if they do like say Ubisoft or something like that. They make Ubisoft is gigantic, but Square Enix is a pretty big company too. Like they have thousands of employees. Like what if they just you know broke them off in like these small groups and things like that. Even Nipponichi is going out and saying, well you know we we make these big projects. But it's kind of nice to have these other people make these smaller ones, like Firefly Diary, which was announced. That's like a, a small team of people making that game, and it's a and it's it's been very well received in Japan because they're it's very artistic, it's very different, and it's fun. So, like, just thinking about going back to the PlayStation days, where it wasn't like every single group was like a team of like 400, 600 people with a budget that's hundreds of millions of dollars, it's like, you know, you'd hope that the success of Final Fantasy XIV would encourage them, but... Yeah, I mean, you would think so, but I think their mismanagement problems continue, and nobody has really fixed it. Like, they keep claiming they're going to fix so many different things, and they just haven't. I mean, the Type Zero thing is kind of a mess in that basically if you want to play the game now you either have to have a ps4 already or you're gonna have to go out and spend four hundred dollars to play what is effectively a psp hd remaster i own a ps4 and do the remote Mm -hmm. play and just pretend that it was always on the vita (laughs) 
Well, I mean, even then, it's it's still a pretty dumb situation considering it's not even like what they should do is release the original version as well. But you, you think know. that like, well, who knows? They could just straight up say later, like Sony can, or maybe with some Sony backing or something like that. It's like, hey guys, we're gonna bring it to the Vita as well. It's just you know, um, here you go. And do you think they would ever do that, or are they well, gonna I stick mean, to their guns? I don't know. I mean, they it's had Final Fantasy. Say. They had Final Fantasy X ported to Vita. I mean, that was. I don't know who actually but that took that up job. last time. <laughs> But that was also announced for that initially, so who knows. Yeah, I mean, the Final Fantasy X actually did really well on the Vita, too. Like, it outsold the Xbox 360 version of Lightning Returns in the U.S., which is oh, wow. pretty yeah. hilarious. So. Yeah. And that obviously, thinking about the size of that those two audiences in the U.S. Oh, yeah, exactly. So for them to say, well you know, Type Zero isn't going to be on Vita, even though the audience is already there and they've proven themselves is kind of a slap in the face. So I can understand why people were upset about it. Yeah. Obviously, though, it's like the PS4 and Xbox One are kind of close together in terms of, you know, the hardware inside of it, with, you know, some obvious differences in there, too. But it's like going from that to Vita. It's still a PSP HD remaster. It's not Yeah, who knows what that's... It's like... you know, hopefully they don't charge like a crazy amount. Like while there, while there, while there might be you know a notable difference between like Kingdom Hearts three when it comes out, like between the two platforms, for Type Zero's remaster, you know it's going to be. Who can, well, I mean the Type on. Zero HD remaster could probably run on a PS three. In all, <laughs> yeah, <honesty>. probably. <laughs> Uh, they haven't shown anything like that. How long is that going to... They no, already I mean, that, they haven't that, shown that, anything, which is super suspicious to me, because every time they've done this sort of thing in the past where they announce something and they don't show anything, you're kind of like... two years. Yep, that was what happened with Final Fantasy X. Yeah. Yep. And then well, three years later, they're like, oh, hey, we're finally releasing this. It took longer to make than the actual original game, but here you guys go. And there's complete press blackout between then and then. <laughs> so yeah, they they've been pretty bad about that lately too. And this game's comps now look much better. Well, let's 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 kind of move on then a little bit. And so, like as we were talking about before, this this month has been kind of due focus on the backlog. But Adam, you were playing some Persona. Yeah. So this is something I kind of wanted to do for a while, but like I have the original Persona Persona One, Persona Two. Uh, Persona 2 Innocent Sin and Persona 2 Eternal Punishment I uh, have them on my Vita and I finally got around to playing those I've been meaning to do it for a while so that was kind of like while they're you know in this lull of summer uh, yeah. without, without many new releases I wanted to tackle those and I'm really kind of glad I did they're uh, I mean everyone here is familiar with the franchise in general right? yeah of course okay. <laughs> straight up post-apocalyptic apocalyptic apocalyptic <laughs> Apocalyptic? Uh, Apocaly- uh, epileptic, yes. Let's go. Epilepsy. Well, I guess this, some of the art in Persona 4 might be epileptic. Anyways, um, so yeah, there these the, the earlier games are much more aligned with like the Shin Megami Tensei series they broke off of, the Persona series broke off of. Um, like, first of all, there are no um, social links at all in Persona 1 or Persona 2. Um, and uh, yeah, that's right. It's totally different. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, you know, in Persona 3 and 4, um, those titles are clearly more popular now, uh, at least uh, 
uh, with the gamers, you know, now, but the most of the time you're actually either talking to like your the other characters in terms of almost like a visual novel like it's a story that's uh, you know that's uh playing out and you're just kind of listening to it the dialogue between characters and all that and then you go to the dungeons um in between you know story elements and they're randomized and you're just kind of going through floors of some randomized dungeon um and that's kind of the structure of those games really you're going from like dungeon to like a large story section to dungeon Whereas Persona 1 and 2, you know, there are no social links. There aren't these, like, um, there aren't these, you know, sections where you're just, you know, listening to dialogue, you know, like a visual oh, novel. Because they, they didn't have much writing back then. It was straight up, like, go through this school. That's <laughs> well, it, it's li- literally what the structure is. It's more typical in that sense. Like, you're going through some sort of dungeon explorable area where there's monsters you encounter. And then there might be a scene, you know, partway through. There might be a scene near the boss fight or after a boss encounter. And then you kind of explore the city, kind of like the newer Persona games afterwards, uh, to do uh, different tasks and things. But the main thing is you don't, there aren't, the social links aren't there. And to be honest, I kind of actually prefer that personally. Um, uh, so it, the pacing feels a little bit better that way. Um, the, but however, the characters... Oh, the immediacy would probably be better <laughs> to describe it like, hey, I gotta save the world, what am I talking, trying to get this person to be that, my girlfriend? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> also true. And it, like any scene in these earlier games, they're, they're totally pertinent to the, to the narrative that's happening, whereas there's a lot of, like, stuff in the, in the later games that kind of amounts to filler, um, where it's more just character interaction, which I know a lot of people really love that, um were just the interaction between characters and, you know, they're having their personalities develop. Um, but a uh, little less of a focus in these in the earlier games, uh, which I prefer, I think, uh, but not. I can definitely see why. There's, in, in the end, it's a, a big difference between Persona 2 and Persona 3. That's kind of where that jump took place. Um, but also, like, uh, some other key differences in terms of, like, battle mechanics, you, you can... You can create personas, a variety of personas for each character, rather than just your main character. Um, like in Persona 3 and 4, you have basically only control over what your main character, you know, is attached to, and the yeah. others the others are just kind of preset, and you really can't do anything with them. So that's a big difference, is that you have all, you have total control over that. So in terms of variety, I think that's an improvement. And also, the dungeons are not randomized. It's it's a you know uh, an honest to goodness you know area with a map that you can yeah. explore and you know there's there's items to find and all these things so it's it's not just randomized dungeons with randomized chests and loot um, so I think that's also a big advantage uh, to these earlier games. Um, however, the battle system is a lot slower. Uh, yeah, it's not like the press turn or the once more system. It's, it's straight up first person, right? Uh, the, no, actually. Um, oh, I'm, I'm probably misremembering it then. Yeah. The Persona 1 was the only first person one in terms of exploration. Oh, okay. In terms of exploration, though. Yeah. Um, where you're going, that's kind of, that's like old school Shin Megami Tensei, where you're, yeah. uh, you, you see first person, you're kind of moving along a grid. But they removed that out of 2 and 3, and those actually are isometric, um, kind of like Persona 3 oh, and 4. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but the battle system, it's really weird. Like, the, I'm, I'm currently in the middle of Eternal Punishment right now, which is the, the second 
Persona 2 game. And instead of just, like, picking your actions before your turn, which is, like, typical, that's, like, every turn-based game, what you do is you kind of select the moves that each character is going to do, and then you basically press a go button, and basically the characters are just going to keep doing those moves over and over and over again until you basically pause and reselect oh. their actions to do different things, and then you press go again. Crazy auto battle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's, it's kind of like auto battle all the time, and it, that I don't really it's it's odd, um, and it, it requires a lot of menu like manipulation, going through menus to set all these. Um, whereas you know in Persona Three or in most other turn based games, you know it's a person's turn, you pick what they do and they do it. Um, so it, that actually ends up being a lot faster, really. So. Yeah, that that does seem kind of fast though. Just making them do it because like the only time you're really going to be focusing on that is like a boss battle. Well, even then, like um, if you have if you need a character to heal, you can't just have that character heal. You have to literally pause everything, go into the the uh, the menus where they're the action menu and pick find that character in the list and tell them to heal. And then um, go stop back healing to, every single and turn. Then, and you have to go back to the auto battle, and then when their when their turn comes up, they'll heal. And then you have to pause again to get them to you know not heal the next time around. So it's this it's a really awkward setup, and I don't like it that much. That's that's the thing is like going back like the old Final Fantasy games. Like it's really hard to go back because they were so rough, and so like the. They didn't do much to the the remake, if I if I remember correctly. Like they just made it more fit for the PSP. I think they just like used the old script and stuff like that. But yeah, those old games. Well, I mean, are... it's, not, it's not even the fact that it's old. I think it's just like the design of how they did this turn-based system is awkward and weird, and like I don't really see the merit to it. Um, yeah. Like I, I just it's it's just it it t- definitely took a while to get used to and. Uh, Actually, I don't even know if I'm really still used to it. No, I don't, don't think you're used to that. So it's so you just move on Persona 2. So are you just... Did you already beat Innocent Sin then? Yeah, I beat... Uh, the, the, in terms of story, Persona... Persona 1, 2, and 3 is actually kind of interesting. They they all link together in a way. Um, yeah. Well, Persona 1 um, has a pretty basic story with some pretty basic characters. It's kind of like Shin Megami Tensei in that way, where it's... Uh, not like SMT4, but like the earlier games where it's more subdued, you know, pretty bare bones. Um, but there is a story there. And then, uh, without getting into too many spoilers, uh, <laughs> spoilers for these old games, uh, Innocent Sin and Eternal Punishment kind of take place in different realities at the same time. And so it's kind of weird how they oh. intertwine that way. And then... In terms of like a, mo- a, a plot twist that kind of actually excited me was in Persona, in Persona Two: Eternal Punishment, which is the second one, having a having a returning character from Persona One join your party, which you know that didn't happen in, in Innocent Sin. You play through Innocent Sin and um, nothing like that happens. And then you, you know now we're two games removed, and this this character two games earlier now joins up again to kind of tie that narrative back into it. It, it's, yeah, it's really kind of interesting in that way. Um, so, <laughs> it's, I'm not through it yet, and I don't want to say too many specifics. But it's it's really interesting. I, a lot of people praise its eternal eternal punishment because of its narrative, and it's easy to see why. Uh, another thing is is all the characters are adults. There are no high school characters, which is atypical for the series. Um, 
Oh. I mean, wasn't Persona 3 and 4 just a bunch of teenagers, too? Cool. Well, that's, Persona no, that's 3 what I'm was more. Persona 1, high school cast. Persona 2, Innocent Sin, high school cast. Persona 3, high school cast. Persona 4, high school cast. Persona yeah. 2, Eternal Sorry, Punishment. Sorry, the term atypical threw, threw me through a loop. <laughs> okay. I don't know why. Persona, yes. 2, Persona 2, Eternal Punishment, no high school characters. They're all adults. And it's, uh, it kind of, it's kind of refreshing in that way, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, and back then, I mean, all we got was Eternal Punishment. We didn't get Innocent Sin. So yeah. being able to play through both those versions, um, I mean, people never experienced that before until they got remade and ported to the PSP and brought over here. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, and especially that. considering, you know, it, uh, Eternal Punishment is kind of the sequel. It's, like I said, they kind of happen at the same time. So that's why people use sequel loosely here. Um, but it's it's uh it's kind of it's it's kind of weird that that one was localized first you know several years ago uh and not and not in a sense then so yeah i guess it's i don't know that's kind of hard i don't know i mean like what what would have been the thought process of that because it, i think innocent sin obviously came out first in japan so i don't know if it's that they they thought that trying to punishment had a better story or something that's weird yeah, so, yeah, I'm almost finished with Eternal Punishment, uh, and who knows, I might write something up for the site on it, uh, on those earlier games, but it's it's definitely very different, but there's several aspects, like I mentioned, the dungeons, how the personas are used, um, and even some story elements that I think, I, you know, it's a, it's a nice change of pace from what Persona 3 and 4 are now, uh, yeah. although the gameplay just kind of takes, the battle system takes a little bit of, you know, you kind of have to set your mind back, you know, back to that time, with this, just kind of get this little bit more uh, clunky <laughs> battle system there. So yeah, it's and you know that's uh, that's why clearly Persona Four became such a big hit is because it's the the best version of those that series. At least you know I guess you could make the argument. Well, Persona Four, what it does really well is like uh, its characters. I, you know, even at this point, I'd say Persona Four in terms of the depth to each of the characters, it's pretty it's unmatched. And, I mean, just the, the style of the game lends itself to that, you know, how yeah. that's the social links, that's what they do, is they build these characters. Um, so, I mean, some people, you know, it's got, yes, it's got that high school setting. I know some people criticize it because it's kind of got that Scooby-Doo feel with the mystery uh, elements to I'm it. With that. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it, it really does, does, it does a good job in establishing characters, so it's easy to see why it's loved for that. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah, and I, I plan to get into those games very soon, too. I own all of them. I want to get back to them and do the same thing you've been doing. So, yeah, that's... Uh, and, you know, big. So we still got Persona games to come, so it's kind of interesting what they do. It's it's kind of... Uns I, not, not to dwell on it, I just want to make a point that I wish they kind of talked about Persona 1 and 2 in these recent games, because they don't even touch on them at all. It is kind of funny how Persona 1, 2, and 2, um, they all... All the characters in those, that, that is the same world with the same locations and the same, you know, buildings and everything. Um, and then, I guess, when they went to Persona 3, that was just all, like, dropped. Um, yeah. It's it's it's, and, a, and it's really unfortunate because those... There's Hitler. It's still the same world, though, isn't it? All, all four games, it's still the well, same universe because of... Uh, what's his name? Yeah. Well, because the, of... Uh, the, no, the butterfly Igor. guy. Well, Igor, yeah. Um, in the... I don't know how to pronounce these names, but in uh, the earlier Persona games, like, the guy who gives you Persona powers is named Philemon. Uh, kind of like a Digimon name there. 
his little symbol is like a butterfly. He turns to this butterfly. Um, and his Igor is more of his assistant. Um, that's what you see out and when you have to, and then when you, you go see to the butterfly, when you, go the, the, when you go to the velvet, well, yeah, the butterfly is a safe spot. And also in the velvet room in three or four, there's a butterfly hanging around. Um, yeah. so obviously it's kind of a callback, I think, so, but like when in persona four, you persona three, there that you actually go back to that location for a moment. And so those, those are kind of in the same universe, you know, just like a couple of years apart. And Persona 2 and 1 are kind of similar, just the, in terms of the, that overall narrative, it's kind of a breaking point in between 2 and 3, for some reason. Who knows? Yeah. It's, 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 I, I wish they kind of talked about it a little bit. I mean, it's like Persona 3 already, it feels like they're slowly getting away from Persona 3, even. It's like, well, on, yeah. I, I don't know what you mean by that. They have well, this Persona Q, which is, has all the, like, a lot of the Persona 3 characters... I, I just I just mean as far as like when Persona Five comes out, uh, just because Persona Three kind of fits into the old style too much, uh, you can, I'm, I'm, I can easily see them starting to slowly drop even that away, even from like the um, even if they are in the arena games and stuff like that. Like I can see them kind of slowly moving away from those even and start to embrace because Four is just such a juggernaut. It's it's. I don't yeah. know. It's it's it's. I mean, the fact that they're not the even game came out to, what six years ago, and yeah. and now they're still making like spinoffs of it. There's you know Persona Q, and then there's a, a Hatsune Miku style dancing singing game. Dance all night. Uh, yeah, and Pretty so fun. I'm gonna play that. Uh, so I, I'd have yeah. to I'd have to guess that um, Persona Five. I, I don't know. Do you think they're gonna like tie into Persona Four at all? They're going to tie into Persona 1. It's going to be all looped back around, and then it's going to be all about, you know, emancipation, and then you bounce back to, you know, kids in high school being locked up. And, and with That's their, basically all we know about Persona 5 right now. Yeah, it's that they got the handcuffs, like, to the, the ball and chain on the chairs for some reason. Because school we, is prison, school is a jail. Are we expecting a TGS announcement for that, or is that more going to be like a Pemitsu thing? They'll something? probably do their own thing like they did last time, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, David, I know you were telling us before we started this that you weren't really playing that much, but yeah. you you kind of delved a little bit into Ten Two, just a bit? Yeah, just a bit. Uh... Did you play that game before? Yeah, I 100%ed it back in 2000, like, whatever. Oh, got all the dress fears and everything? Oh, yeah. But now Man, I, dedication. I heard some of those are tough. I'm seeing that monster capturing stuff, and I'm just like, what the hell is this? I don't want to do this. Like, but, how how difficult was it to get down to percent in that game before? Oh, back Because, like, the thing in, like, 10, I know it's, like, some people are upset, like, you do everything, and then there'll be, like, 0.2% left, and you're like, ah. Well, yeah, basically, Final Fantasy X-2, to, to get, like, you know, the 100% completion, where certain story elements give you percentage, you pretty much have to follow a guide. Yeah, um, you can't even, miss anything. And even no, then... Did, did you follow a guide, David? Did you buy, like, the strategy guide at the time? Oh, God, I don't remember. I, I mean, game facts existed back then. Yeah, at that time, I, I didn't, like, I... I, I we had the internet, but mostly it was me printing off pages of stuff. Like when eleven Final Fantasy XI came out, I was just printing off pages. I mean, what I remember is I just got, like, the normal ending back for the first, like, the first time I played it back then, and then the second time I played it, I just 100%ed it. 
Oh man! And I t- it took like. Do you uh, love it that much? Was Ten Two that good to you? I guess so. I mean, I also like this was back when I one hundred percented a lot of things. Oh, is your is your thing you did? Yeah, like, I mean, I was in high school. Now, now I got like eight hundred games to play. It's tougher to go completionist on it and stuff. But yeah, uh, I was never I was never like that. Yeah, I could never complete a game. I beat it, and that's it. But like the idea of getting one hundred percent in Final Fantasy X two and all that stuff, man. That just seems kind of crazy to me. I mean, I hey, I've, I've spent 100 hours of on single stuff before, so might as well if I like it enough. So how far have you played in 10-2 then? Uh, for the HD remaster? Oh, yeah. Geez. Uh, well, I know you 100% the first one on yeah, the remaster. <laughs> oh, no. No, I haven't 100%ed the remaster. No, no, no yeah, so you, you, you said like only like in the first chapter yeah, or something like that? Yeah, like in the first chapter or something. So not... Not big on RPGs this past month. You weren't you weren't really playing that too much. Yeah, I was playing like adventure games and the other random stuff. Mario Kart. What, what adventure games were you playing? Uh, as I was telling you before we started the stream, I was playing the Cat Lady, which is that that depression game. Can you give him a bigger? Okay, you you only game. call it the, the depression okay, okay, game so, so far. Like, okay, what exactly so it, is it? First of all, it has this really unique art style. It's like. I, I have no idea how to explain it. It's like a... Well, first of all, you're on a 2D plane. I gotta look this But up. it's like 3D-ish, like painting kind of stuff. I, I really have no idea how to explain it. But okay. anyway, so the premise is uh, you're this... Cra- not crazy. You're this depressed 40-year-old woman. The game opens up with her killing herself. So, yeah, already mm. starting out depressing. You find her in, like... Something that might be hell, and you find this woman that's like, uh, looks like she's a skeleton. I'm looking at pictures, I'm seeing like someone covered like in a butcher's outfit. Covered oh, yeah. In blood. It sounds yeah. like every positive game. A gas mask, what the heck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, she, so this woman that you see in what may or may not be hell gives you this mission to like kill like five people back in the, back in the living world. That are parasites, as she calls them, and they're like uh, they're like like bad people. Like one is a one is one is like a psychologist that just kidnaps his victims and like they're like serial killers and stuff like that. So it's killing actual bad people though. So it's kind of like justice in a way. Yeah, but it's just it's really depressing. Like the way she gets like she needs to give up some blood to get back to the living world. So she like has to cut her arm off and. And once that happens, like this rock music plays and the title screen comes on, it's just really bizarre. That's what what made I, you I like what led you to play this oh, game? I want to know this. Like, how did you how did you hear of this and like decide I want to play that? Well, this was during the Steam sale, but I actually got it on GOG. Yeah, so uh, I was just like, I mean, I was just keeping an eye on what was going on sale, and I saw it on one of the. Uh, like things that happens every twenty minutes on the geo. Oh yeah, so they were doing oh. the whole like they do like a flash sale where they yeah. would have a deep discount on one game. Yeah, and, every and it was like I think it might have been like ninety nine cents. I I clicked on it. I was I'd, like, I'd you know, this seems it. kind of interesting. So I looked up some reviews, and it was actually pretty well received. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, might as well take a chance. And I I ended up liking it a pretty good amount. So to be honest, it sounds like a game I'd probably check it out too, just because I'm I'm more into kind of those weird 
twisted kind of. Because oh, yeah, I'm, I'm no, also a big survival horror fan, so like the Silent Hill series are big. Oh too, yeah, so. it, I mean it's not really like like not I survival call horror, it, but it's more like adventure type yeah. of like point and click. It's interesting because I wouldn't really call it scary, but it is in, like it's, it's incredibly creepy at points. Is it like torture porn scary, or is it oh, just straight up like no, shock and scare? Like, yes and no, because what scared me is like it has it has yeah. a fantastic soundtrack first of all. But like the like the sound design is just like in certain in certain points it's like the I can't remember there's like an instrument that's just, that just really creeps me out and I can't remember the name of it but it's like it's like a mix of a like a bang and like a the the thing where you're like rubbing your fingers across it ah oh god I don't know what it's called and I'm like describing like a, it horribly like a cello or no 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 it's not a bang and it's like, it's like a really obscure string instrument. You know what? It it doesn't Sitar. matter. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty cool game, and I'm surprised not many people have heard of it because it's pretty damn well done. Actually, no, I'm not surprised pe- not many people heard no. of it because it's a really obscure game. But yeah, and it's I I can check depression. it out myself just because I'm I'm kind of into that. <laughs> sounds weird as it sounds. Like I can't. Some stories I need a little bit of that. You know. Depression or sadness or I something mean, like that. Sometimes you just sometimes you're just in the mood to be moody or whatever. Just yeah, like, just to jump into that and be like, I don't know, <laughs> kind of soak that in weird atmosphere. At the very least, it's unique. I can't think of any uh, any other games where I played as a 40 year old suicidal woman. So yeah, that's true. I, 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 it kind of reminds me of this game called like Edna and Harvey, like Harvey's New Eyes that I played. It has like on on the surface, it seems like a kind of children's book kind of style well, where it's like they all go to this orphanage. What game but, you know, all these good things happen in an orphanage. It's um, Harvey's New Eyes. Harvey's it, New Eyes? Yeah, it's Edna and Harvey. It's, so everything kind of starts off pretty... Is this you know, a PC mobile. game? Or? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a PC game. You can get it like, on Steam. Oh, um, cool. I think it was like, it's like four or five bucks. I think you can get it pretty cheap. Like it, it, On the surface, it seems kind of like for kids. And then you slowly realize that things aren't the way it appears to be. And all you hear is, like, this narrator kind of talking things along. Like, she goes down to, like, this, this well and, like, needs to get this thing out of the bottom of the bucket. Oh, this is Well, nice. you know, there's this guy. You can get him to the, like, it's like, you need to get some out of here. It's like, well, Timmy, he fell down the well. It's Well, it's not Timmy, but, you know, this, this guy fell down the well. But, you know, there's we need to get the water flowing really well. So all you see is just this weird... Sequence of events that just becomes really dark and demented. It's oh, it's geez. really, and all she like and and um and Harvey all, all she sees is just like everything seems to be like all cute and fluffy. Like instead of seeing blood, all she sees is like jello and goo and stuff like that. Like and then the oh, game so makes like it look like it's just thing. exactly it's like awesome. she thinks it's like all nice and you know children's like a children's TV show kind of thing, but it's really in fact all these horrific things happening around her. So, yeah, that's... That sounds awesome. That's, it's If you like the cat lady, check out Harvey's New Eyes. It's like four, <laughs> I think it's like four bucks. You can pick it up. But it's, it's by Daedalic. Yeah, uh, the Adventure Game Masters. That it's I, I, I'd highly recommend it just because it's so different and so, I, I think, and the stories, it, it, can, it can hook you in. It's, it's a point-and-click adventure game, too, though, so it's got a lot of the stuff where you have to... Um, 
search around the screen and then, you know, find different yeah. items and use them, click them, drag them, all that I actually stuff. haven't really played all that many adventure games. I played some of the earlier, like, King's Quest on, you know, DOS, but none of these none of these new ones. They got the new King's Quest games, though, too, so... Wait, there's new ones? I didn't even know that. Yeah, they, they, uh, well, it's, it's not... The people that made, like, a fan version of the game, they basically let them have the ability to continue to make those... The, the King's Quest Six, I think yeah. it is, is what they made... And they are they have been making more of those. I think it's like Phoenix Online or something like that, the name of the developer. So they, they are making those. It's it's I heard they've been kinda of been a little bit mixed, at least the early ones. So let's see how those go. Anyway, moving on from adventure games though, and so Liz mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> you not only are you currently reviewing a game, but you're also delving a little bit into the backlog, but Let's let's kind of go through one of the new ones because we've been talking about old games all the time. But you've been reviewing the Sky of Four for the Vita. Yes, I have. Is this your first time playing the Sky of Four? Um, yeah, it is my first time with the Sky of Four. Um, and uh, actually, since the Sky D two, I hadn't played an original or uh, the Sky game since the original. So I'm still trying to get back into the series and all of its new mechanics and whatnot. And I haven't gotten very far in uh, the Sky 4 Vita yet. I'm only in Episode 2, but I really like like what they do with the with the geo blocks and all that and how you learn new skills. I find it like kind of a nice change of pace from D2 because I feel like I don't, don't need to grind certain things as much as I had to with uh, D2, like weapon levels and whatnot. Yeah, like the Sky 4, it's, it's known because they used a different director that game compared to the first three titles and so they just completely jumped into a new style. Now these games are like they're not, besides D2, like 1, 2, 3, and 4 are unrelated in terms of you don't need to play. D2 is a sequel to 1, yeah. I don't need to play Disgaea 3 to understand Disgaea 4, right? No. No. They're completely, they're like literally Final Fantasy games. They're completely Yeah, I understand there might be like series references or, you know, like. There are like returning characters, but it's like you, you can Pick it up pretty quickly. Who they are, so okay. It that's about it. But they're not even they're not core to the story. I mean, it you enjoy it more if you know them. I guess well, I should that's, say that's kind of true with every series, you know. Yeah, but the like the first discard you can get them for like probably five bucks on PS on PSN. So it's like yeah. fun, try those out. But yeah, the sky four completely different. So. You're in episode two so far. Like you said, the geo blocks I can never figure out. Okay, what are these? As someone I never played the series, what's a geo block? Well, in most of the the Sky games, you have these geo panels that are thrown about the field. They give different random effects to enemies or allies, and they also have like these little geo cube things. I can't remember what they're called that you can destroy and have various effects on the field. But like geo blocks are like an evolution of that. Um, they, they're on the field and you can destroy them, but they don't have effects on the uh, on the squares themselves that you walk around on. This is probably a really bad explanation, but well, no, that's, no, that makes sense. I mean, the geo want... panels are based like the tiles themselves well, that you walk on well, yeah. are different colors. Oh yeah, there you go. So, like for example, like you have like this entire like say for example a fourth of the entire field is red, and so and if you stand inside this field the enemy has is invincible. Like, you cannot attack them. So what you have to do is figure out a way to either lure them out or just straight up 
pick them up. You can literally pick up these monsters and chuck them into a spot that doesn't have them. So. Right. Well, from what I understood, like, um, in a lot of SRPGs, you know, you have your characters and they're on a map, but, you know, your characters are more just, you know, interacting with the enemy characters, you know, in terms of positioning and, you know, depleting their HP. But in Disgaea, there's a little bit of this element where you actually have to, like, manipulate the battlefield with these yes. geoblocks. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's a little bit different, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, not, it's, not, it's not Final Fantasy Tactics. You can tell a lot of it's this well, guy, I mean, it's its own thing, really. Well, I mean, like, terrain is always important, but actually, actually like, manipulating the field. That's what I mean, yeah, the, the actual the panels. Yeah, the geo stuff is... Okay. The geo blocks themselves, I think, yeah, Disguise Floor probably does the best job in making it easy for people as accessible to that kind of stuff, just because it's it does its... The geo blocks easier where it's, like... You just have to de- kind of destroy them, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and just, and so. instead of doing the terrain itself. Yeah. And, and Disgaea is kind of, like, known for, like, uh, without, can't think of a better way to put it, like, fourth wall breaking, right? Like, they'll refer to, like, the final boss. Oh, or, yeah, hell yeah. Or things like that. Straight right? up mid-boss, yeah. Straight <laughs> up fourth wall break, breaking all over the place. Yeah. That's, that's part of his charm, for sure. Right. And the humor. Is, is, is some of the, it's got some of the best humor. That's what I hear. So it's one of those series I've never tried, but eventually I'll get into it. Yeah. So, and, you know, the cool thing is, is just (laughs) Sky 4. Aside from, you know, the gameplay, which is, you know, it's very, if you play the other Sky games, it's it's very much that. It's that, it's it's the characters themselves. That's a big draw. Yeah, I I do find the characters pretty interesting, like... Well, instead of just having demons, we have vampires and werewolves running around that we usually don't see, and and uh, the main character is pretty pretty interesting thus far. I mean, I haven't gotten too far into him, but he likes to talk about sardines. What can I yes, not like about that? And it's the voice of Troy Baker uh, <laughs> talking about sardines and giving you a full-on education about the history of sardines, because of course he finds them the most nutritious thing on the plant um, in the world. That anyone can experience. So, and you know, the whole story is basically about how he is teaching um, these prinnies, which are of course the mascot, the disguise series, and you know, Nisa and I some Bonichi America's mascot as well. But uh, the school of prinnies, he's the teacher, and apparently it's like, man, it's been a little bit. So the story, what, what's the story set up on that? It's um, um the uh, president of the Corruptimen is trying to get rid of all the printies because they're overflowing the netherworld. And then, so, Valvatores is like, hey, I made a promise to these printies that I was going to give them a sardine, so you can't do that. And <laughs> he decided to overthrow the Corruptimen over all this. And, you know, the whole point of so the printies so is that they're supposed to be serving, like, this sentence where they have to kind of uh, serve however long they need to, like, thou- like years to tens of thousands of years to millions of years to basically pay back their debts to society. So and then it kind of sounds like it's like the, the narrative is like over the top, but like kind of weirdly juxtaposed with like how like a serious. It is like, like there's like, some there's like some a serious, serious like a silly subject only with like a serious like tonality. I guess at times I don't know. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So all the all the sky games. Every single one of them has got uh, a strong hint of drama to it as well, and some serious stuff about it too. In Disguise Four too, because there's a lot of flashbacks in Disguise Four, because they talk about the, the main character and, and what what happened before and uh, what led it to this point. So 
One thing I'm just curious about, um, how long is, like, a typical battle? I know, like, some SRPGs, you know, just one battle might take, you know, 30 minutes or something. It varies. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, a uh, typical skirmish, like, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Not, not, that, not that long. Okay. And, you know... It's, it's on the Vita. It's, when you get into post-game stuff, and it could be like an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's well, you know the number of enemies and how difficult it can be. But if you've been spending your time leveling up your characters, that game is so over the top that like I was bl- blasting through enemies towards the end of the game pretty quickly. So I, I understand that these games are like chock full of everything. You know? Well, the the cool thing is I don't know if Liz, if you've gotten into it all, but the um. That cheat shop from Disgaea D2 came, is, is, makes an appearance in Disgaea for Vita. Yeah. And so you can totally break the game. You really can. I just unlocked it, so I can't do much with it yet, but it yeah. is, it's a big advantage for leveling and all that. It's like, it's like yeah. in-game like cheats. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty much it. Like, for example, one thing you can do is increase the difficulty of the enemies, and so that way you can get experience points faster. And so one thing that I did in Disgaea D2 is that there was one map where... Um, it's a very small map, and there's like these three monsters at one end and you on the other. And you can just, what you can do is that you can run up and stack yourself on top of another character. And it's straight up like a ladder, so they're holding each other, like one's boosting one up by the feet and the other one up on top of the other. And by stacking them on top of each other, that also adds their levels together as well. <laughs> and so, like, you're, you go from level like 10 to like 20, and then you're like all, all the way up until like you have like eight or nine characters. So you can be like level 100, but then you know the higher the level, the bigger the multiplier is. And so like you've got like this stack of characters that are level like say 400 against these monsters that have, have the difficulty raised up, but still you know not strong enough to completely decimate you. And by attacking with this stack, every single person gets experience points from that. And so, like, you can imagine how easy it is to break that game. Well, I, I've seen some, you know, like, I, you know, I don't really have much familiarity with the series, but I know people pointed it out when they're talking about, like, crazy numbers. Like, Disgaea is a game of crazy numbers, or at least it can be. Um, yeah, that's, that's all their games, really. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so. that's, the, that's how the series has been. And so, like, yeah, and so that, that cheese shop, you know, for people who um, I. Are hesitant to get into Sky. That cheat shop makes things a lot more manageable, and it does other things too. Like um, what? What else besides? I mean, the main re- the main purpose I used it for was just the levels, but it's also like um, you can I, also I saw you can a- like I saw you can just do like you know just you know pointless things. You know, like changing armor appearance or weapon appearance, and just yeah, just customizing, and you know, it doesn't actually affect the game, but just for fun. So. Yeah, and you can stop. You can also turn off things like you can't throw somebody. Like you can straight up like turn off features of the game if you wanted to. And I'm just like, why would you do this? I guess it's well, it's there. But I guess it's fun for if you like to just experiment or whatever. Yeah, it's but you know that's the thing where like it wasn't until this guy D2 where I saw people leveling their characters to nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. It's like how in the world could you do this? And then it's like. Oh, you've been doing this. You've been stacking your characters. So. <laughs> but Disgaea for Vita, uh, it's how, how how does it feel playing that on a handheld? Um, I mean, it's really good to play. I feel it's always good to play strategy RPGs and stuff on the handheld because you can you can pretty much stop at any time, or if you're grinding, yeah. you can get on the like TV or whatever. 
So I do like it more than how I played the Sky D2 on the v- or the PS3 because I had to give it my full attention, more or less. And you, you couldn't, like, have... It's kind of, like laid on a couch or something and had something going on the TV while playing or something. You're right. I mean, kind of. I mean, unlike you know, like um, Tokiden or you know those action RPG Vita games, you know, this is t- turn based, so yeah, easy to like you know just put it in sleep while you're even even in the middle of a turn or whatever. Just or if you get distracted by something, you know, just. Well, like straight up monster hunter, you can't pause the game. Well, right. So that's that's the, that's a big part of that. Yeah, that's what Tokyo did was too. You couldn't pause it. So well, I, I just yeah. kind of I just you know for SRPG, I definitely think that on a handheld works really well because it's just it's whether it's you know in between battles or even during a battle, it's easy just to stop you know momentarily or you know whatever. Right. And that pick up and go nature of it. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think it works. And all the Disgaea games are have a portable version, right? Yeah. Like whether, uh, whether it's PSP it or Vita, or yeah, I guess PS2 doesn't. Well, the, yeah, but that's obviously brand new. But all the all the other ones do now. So us, because it's either it's like Disgaea one and two are on PSP, and then yeah. three and four are on Vita. Okay. Yeah, and I think they're all on PSN too. Yeah. Is I think Disgaea one and two and PSP are both on PSN now. I, I think, think they used I think to they are. Too. Yeah, I think they are now. I think I remember someone telling me that when I thought they weren't. Yeah, well, I think it's because when I mentioned I think, them. I think I know they're on there because I want to kind of try them eventually. Like, oh, okay, I can get them off PSN whenever I Afternoon of darkness decide to. Yeah. Of, yeah, so definitely. I mean, I don't – I assume the PSP versions are better just because, you know, like any next version of a game, it's better quality. But that's, that's – um, we'll have a review up soon, though. Mm-hmm. Right, Liz? Yes. Have you have you looked at any of the DLC? I have not. I um I thought uh, Sky 4 Vita came with all the DLC from the PS3 version, but is there going to be more DLC for the Vita version? It's a lot of like anime characters and stuff like that, like horror from Spice and Wolf and stuff like that. It's they they basically said all the DLC that was out in Japan is going to come here pretty much, and so that's it's it's more like characters and things like that. Like unless you're into that kind of stuff, it's Kind of, oh, fans, no. kind of like a just like cameos and fan service type one, so huh. different brands and whatnot. So yeah, um, we'll, we'll kind of we'll kind of look at that though. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Disgaea games take a while. I mean, they are like like I think Disgaea Four is like twenty five hours or something like that. Yeah, so, but looking at know. the post game, it could it could take hundreds of hours. But yeah. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> if you're crazy, we'll see you back next out. year, Liz, when you review that game. <laughs> you stuck into that. Yeah, I mean, for me, my, myself, I mean, so. Yeah, what have you been playing? Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of, I play a little Fire Emblem for the first time. Awakening? And, yeah, Awakening. I won't talk about too much that much because we've spoken about that so many times. But for me, it's more, I could see this being the natural evolution for how Val- Valkyrie Chronicles could be. Like, there's already so many ways in those that series where they um, uh, build relationships between the characters, like just straight-up perks, where if you're nearby somebody, you benefit from, like, having better senses or, like, protecting yeah. that person. So, like, the relationship, the dating sim part of that, I could easily see that going into there. So if they make another Valkyrie Chronicles, I'm sure they will. Uh, that that kind of stuff. It felt like that's what I would want from that. And so, and I always, this is actually my first Fire Emblem game. I've never played the series before. 
and I've gotten a pretty good experience from that. I made the unfortunate mistake of like, I was like, I'll just play it as a female. <laughs> and I didn't realize until later, oh yeah, there's no, um, uh, there's no lesbians or anything. There's no gay or lesbian activity in that at all. It's straight up you have to go for the opposite sex. I was like, oh, I guess I've been kind of hanging out with Crom a lot, so <laughs> I guess I'll go with that guy. It's, and, and it's not like I got into it straight up for that type of relationship. I just, you know, I, I, I figured the main character didn't matter that much. Well, Sarja would have loved you anyway, regardless yeah. of your gender. Sarja, yeah, I'm sure. She doesn't care. Some, so of, the, some of the story scenes are quite different if you're a female because of the uh, whole Crom Lucina thing. Oh, so I've, yeah, I've if, gotten... If you're then people saying like I was I was a weak person because I was a female, it's, you know, straight up like those types of remarks. Well, I, know, you know, I actually just meant between like some of the major characters. You know, it changes yeah. if you know you're related to the Lucina character, if you're a little Avatar character, and all that. So, yeah. well, and I, and I haven't gotten to the point where it gets to you know developing um, relationships, oh. uh, getting to the point where you're making offspring and stuff like that. Oh yeah, so, I, I thought you beat it. No. No, no, no. Okay. I'm I'm very far away from being it. I kinda I, I stopped at, at that point a little bit and then started to because there was there's so much anime, I can't keep up with that game. Yeah. <laughs> but and aside from that, I got into the four job festa for Final Fantasy V, which just means that you have to follow someone else's rules for which jobs you choose, um, as you beat each tower. Uh, I talked so, I talked about Final Fantasy V, what was it, last time or the time before? Yeah, it's I, I just really? wanted to touch so, on that. I was yeah, I was, play, I was playing that. So that's pretty much it um, for me. Uh, it's I've been kind of delving into my backlog too, but it's been kind of Dynasty Warriors Eight is all else I've been playing. So it's RPGs. August is going to be huge for what we got covered. So Aaron, have you just been kind of playing fourteen? I bet she's playing fourteen right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> maybe she's been playing while we've been talking. No. Nah, well, it's. I've been listening to you guys, but I mean, it's what two monitors are for, right? Right. Oh, you got two monitors. Oh, that's right. Jared told me you have two monitors, and so you guys have been kind of bouncing back and forth. Yeah. Yep. So I'm kind of waiting. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I like actually. I wanted to play Watch Dogs. Um, Oh yeah. But when it came out, it wouldn't run very well on computer. Like, well, it wouldn't run very well on non-NVIDIA cards. So that's that's right because they had a deal with NVIDIA. So yeah, apparently there's patches out now, so I might try it. But yeah, it's been mostly 14 because they released a new content patch. So I just been messing around in that. Not not to go into it too deep, but of course. I heard that game's been kind of been a bit of a letdown lately because they've been putting too much effort to the hunts. Oh yeah. So basically what happened is they introduced they they said they were going to put in these mob hunts and before they came out people thought they would be similar to Final Fantasy 12 um you know how uh, in 12 people had like, you'd go and you'd get the hunt, and then you'd have to initiate it and all that, and then go out and get it. Well, in reality, it's nothing like that. It's basically, they're out in the zones, and people just zerg from one to the next. And it's... So you can kind of knock them down. Is it just like straight-up raids, just like how they always been? Like, you just go out and they kind of appear, or, like, you have to initiate them? No, no, they're just, like, out there. They spawn on timers or whatever and people just can, like oh 
So, okay. so what yeah. I'm imagining, what I'm imagining is they have like people that memorize, you know, the best paths and the best, you know, to get for the respawns, and you know, you just kind of kill them over and over and over again, type of thing. Or am I? That's how. That's yeah, how I'm it's, it. it's the same stuff pretty much over and over again. But the main problem is there was other content that was released during this patch, and nobody is doing this content because these hunts actually give out some of the best, like, they're the best way to get a lot of the rewards in the game. So That's the most depressing part. So people don't have any reason to do the other content because they can do this one thing where all they have to do is zerg a bunch of mobs and then they get that content, which includes some of the stuff that was previously and still is under a weekly lockout in um, the harder, like, the highest tier raid in the game. And they have parties with them, people that are willing to go out with them. A lot easier to do that, like they're willing to go out with them and do it, than finding a party that's like, uh, you want to go out and do this hard quest? That's going to be hard. Well, now you have like a mass amount of people that are like, oh, we all benefit, I guess, from this. Seems like just a, just like a balance. Yeah, it's, that's just breaking it's the game. pretty broken. And yeah. like they, they did actually add another raid dungeon. It's called Crystal Tower, which is based on the Final Fantasy III Crystal Tower. And yeah, I remember that. The, oh, the thing is, like not a lot of people are doing it because the stuff in there isn't as good as what you can get from just doing the hunts. And that is also a problem in itself. Oh, it's just yeah. the hunts have created so much imbalance, I guess, and Square's been good. it's been like three weeks and Square's hasn't said a word and I think they didn't realize that people were going to go for the path of least resistance to get stuff and they happen to be through these hunts and people are gonna have their fill a lot sooner if they continue down this road. They're like, Well, I got all the best gear for now, I guess I'm done with this game. It's like why would you continue down this? I would assume maybe they're trying to figure out ways to find a like a substitute for that, like an, another way to do it without straight up nerfing it, but I don't know. They should have took action a lot sooner than they have because right yeah, now it's right. Like, there's so much toxicity in the community now, and their silence is not helping one bit. Like, they had a lot of good things going with the game, but if they're going to treat people, if they're going to treat problems like they should just be ignored, then I think that's a serious problem. Yeah. Then they'll go play Destiny instead or something <laughs> like that, if they're going to be like that. Oh, man. So that's that... kind of crazy how they would still look, look to that. That's Yeah, I know. And, like, they're... Recently, uh, Yoshida, the producer-director, said something about how he still values, like, you know, progression and stuff. But basically, with these hunts, people can go and get stuff that um, people are still under the lockout and the raids can only get, like, one a week. So, I mean, they're able to get, like, three or four in a week now, or even more, depending on how much they do the hunts, which is really unbalanced. Man, what happened to fourteen? That's that's depressing. Yeah, like I said, it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me so much if they would just come out and talk about it, but like Square Enix being Square Enix lately, huh? <laughs> they do <laughs> like their there's thing. Been so many complaints on their official forums about it, and I've been posted on there. I've posted my thoughts to some of the people I know who work at Square, and they just kind of. Like, they don't, they just don't say anything, and it's super frustrating because, like I said, they created something that just, 
it's affecting all the other aspects of the game. And, you know, it's a problem when people are only doing that one thing to get the best reward when they're why would not they even really include learning that the best the game. God, why would they even do that? Like, what what led them to think that putting the best gear inside these raids where they're, they just spawn out in the open and there's no, like... Uh, I mean, I could see them, I could see, you know, them no maybe putting some, you know, there has to be some incentive to do these hunts, but not so much, you know? Well, the raids were straight <laughs> up, like, you'd just get experience points and things like that. Like, it's money and experience points. You would go out and do that stuff, but... It's just a question of balance that they didn't, you know, approach well, it seems. <laughs> yeah, well, originally, so when they... When they first put in the hunts, the the way they expected people to do it, so there's three different ranks. There's B, A, and S. And the B ranks were meant to be, like, for a single person to go out and find and kill. The A ranks were meant for, like, a party of four. And the S ranks were meant for, like, multiple parties of eight. So what happened was, like, entire servers would go after, ended up going after every single tier and they issued a tiny bandage patch where they just increased the HP of all the mobs, which honestly didn't do anything because... No, you're already decimating them. Right, Let's so these, these mobs, will they basically die in seconds, and the whole server lags in and out because of people teleporting from everywhere just to kill this one mob. And like so it, yeah. because people are so busy doing these hunts because they offer so much reward, like, they offer other stuff too, um, some of the tokens that you need um, weekly that you can buy other gear with, uh, which, you know, usually get that stuff in instances and things like that. But people, a lot of people aren't doing the instances now because they can go out and just their hunts all day. And, and uh, as a result, like, dungeon queues and queues for other stuff have just, like, gotten super bad. I, I, every time I see someone on my Twitter playing Final Fantasy XIV, it's almost always talking about those hunts. They're, they don't do much else now, it seems. I mean, sometimes you hear people doing like the turns and things like that, but nowadays it's either they're playing the hunt or the, com- the, the or they're the complaining hunt, about it, or they're <laughs> complaining about the hunt raids. And it's, that's obviously just having that be your the conversation is totally derailing that game, you know? It's yeah, like, like, I mean, some people like it, like the hunts, and that's yeah, okay. Yeah, I see that. And, I, and I, the thing I is, though, they don't, a lot of the people that I've seen say that they like it, they get super defensive, and they won't admit that, yes, they are unbalanced, and they need to be They like the shortcuts. Because they're hurting all the other content in the game. It's because they like it the easy way. They like, they like the yeah, shortcuts in the yeah, game because... Much. It's like pretty much them power leveling in the game. It's it's, it's right. Major and so I I mean I've seen people like I do the hard raids in the game, and I see people who've gotten more of the upgrade items that you could only previously get in these raids than like my entire group has gotten within the past three months, and it's kind of like okay. All that work, all that money I gave to Square Enix for not because now it seems like you're punishing those willing to go out and experience the stuff that you've spent a lot of time and effort creating. Well, yeah, I mean, they they spend a lot of time and effort making these instance contents and these different boss encounters. Like, this patch that just came out with the hunts uh, also had a new battle with uh, Ramu. Um, 
yeah. which is like uh, one of the classic Final Fantasy summons, and Let nobody me. wants to do it because the quote-unquote rewards aren't as good as what they can get from hunts. And it's super sad because that fight's actually pretty cool. No, no, it's like at E3, it's like the Leviathan battle. That was nuts, just being able to try to keep on that damn boat all that time. But, like, you know, just think about the fact that um, so many of these people are never going to touch that story. You know, it's like they're, they're barely going to experience, like, mo- like, not, like, almost all the story. It's like playing Call of Duty and only playing the multiplayer mode. That's all it felt like. It's, it's, that's, uh, that's all it seems like, because it's like, well, I get the best guns here. It's like, who needs to talk about the story and stuff? Who cares? I just want to level up. I want to get the, the equipment. I want to look cool. Well, yeah, I mean, you I get mean, you all that stuff, them. but then the problem, you will, at least in 14, that will probably run into is people won't know how to actually play the game. You they go out, you do the hunts, all you have to do is mash one button. We're in the raids and dungeons. You actually have to know how to play your job. And, like, mash the button, and then the screen locks up, and, like, well, I hope I got something out of that. If not, I'll wait a little bit. Oh, yeah, like, I mean, I tried them out just to see what they were like, and they really aren't that great, but people are still doing them. I thought it would kind of die down after a couple weeks, but no. People people are still neglecting other content just to do the hunts. So sad. You know, and, and... Oh, you hope that it's... I mean, that definitely, that's definitely, uh, like, considering Square Enix did not said anything. It's like, eh. Oh, my gosh. It's so frustrating because mm-hmm. on their forums, they answer a lot of questions on, like, quality of life stuff for the game, and that's cool. But when so many people are complaining about, you know, broken game balance, and then you're not saying anything, that just represents a major issue to me. Like... You're basically just kind of spitting in the face of your customers. And one of the excuses that I did hear um, was that people complaining about it were a minority, but I really don't think that's the case. I think it's, it's a, it speaks to a much broader issue. It's like even if it's not a lot of people like complaining about it, it the the fact that, that there's that core issue there where it's like this is because so many people – are benefiting from these rewards. It's like you're giving huge rewards to these people for very little effort. You're not going to see a lot of people saying like, "Well, that no, you can't do that. I don't want. Don't give me all this cool stuff." No, it's oh, exactly. of course they're not like, going to be. The only there. reason people are like doing the hunts as much as they are is because they put those rewards in there. And I mean, those rewards were pretty hard to get. Um, I mean you would have to put in at least a couple weeks' worth of learning a fight just to get them in the first place. And based on the average age of the gamer who's in their 30s or something like that who has a job that you know doesn't have a lot of time to play online games and stuff like that, uh, it's to complain about that. It's, you know, you know it's, they're going to say it's going to be a minority, but it's... it's, it's a well, it kind of goes into that mindset, you know, some people just want to, you know, fill bars in a sense. Like, they just yeah. want to get the equipment. They just want to, you know, you know, get the best stuff possible. And they want to fill bars, term I use for that, where, you know, some people are more interested in actually playing the game for the gameplay. Um, and I play it for the story. You know, I, well, I, yeah. play, I play, the, even on the online games, I play it for yeah, the story. Yeah, it's funny because, like... I asked a couple of people who had, who had gotten some of those upgrades, like, 
so are you going to do writing now? And they're like, no. <laughs> and you don't really, like, do you don't thing. need this high-level gear to really do anything else in the game. So it's kind of like, well, then why did you need that? Because they want to fill the I want to brag to my friends that I got this cool stuff and show it <laughs> off. Pretty much. I don't know. It just kind of devalues the whole, like, why am I doing this high-end content, you know? Yeah. It's it's a snowball thing where it's like it doesn't seem like a big deal right off the bat, but you know more and more people are gonna be like, well I'm I'm good. Well, yeah, I guess I can move on to the next big MMO that's gonna come out, like Titan or something. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it could, something like that could definitely affect like just the game economy and all that. So. Yeah, I mean I already know a lot of people who do the like the harder content in the game who are just kind of like they log in and because you can only do the high-end raid dungeon, like, you can only complete it once a week because of the lockout, because they don't want you to gear up, like, extremely fast, which is another reason why the hunts is just kind of like, what's going on here, you know? Because before they had set that precedent of, hey, we don't want people getting all this gear all at once, yet, on the other hand, they just kind of did well leaving this other stuff locked off, and they, they're they not talking about it. So, I don't know. They're really sending mixed messages. Well, on hopefully that sad note, that <laughs> yeah, I hope they get that fixed on that, on that sad note. We're going to call it a podcast for this month. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks a lot. Okay, ending on a somber note here. A <laughs> uh, very somber note. That's, it's it's <laughs> well, the thing, like... Hopefully Square listens to this podcast and says... Well, they haven't even put out, like, their first... Ex- about this. Yeah. Like, they haven't even gotten to, like, their expansion packs yet that they said they were going to make. Well, they, they're going to talk about it uh, in October, but, I mean, that's, that's, that's still quite that's a That's after off. Destiny comes out. It's after, you know, it's when other companies are talking about their next game. This like, free-to-play option. There's, there's so many issues with that. Anyway, but... Let's, let's not dwell on it too much just because just thinking about it hurts me. But thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us this month, guys. Uh, thank you very much to Adam, to David, to Liz, to Aaron. Thanks a lot, guys, for uh, being a part of the podcast. I You're very appreciate welcome, your guys. presence here. Yes. August is going to be a lot better for the site. We got some got big it. stuff planned. I mean, there's a lot more games coming out. Tales of Exilia 2 comes out. Um, the new Neptunia game comes out. There's, there's just, there's going to be a lot more stuff to cover on the site. So, and then September is going to be crazy. Just the next few months is going to be a very good time for RPG fans. And so, um, expect more content on the site. Darren, who we just hired, is going to be making some video content. He's working on a Trails in the Sky uh, video review for us, and so we'll post that once that is completed. Um, and he has other stuff he wants to do as well to kind of work on that end, but we'll make sure to share that with you um, and give him a you know a shout out if you see him on Twitter uh, and thank him for joining us. So yeah, other than that, thanks a lot, guys. Um, we'll catch you next time on the next edition of the TetraCast. Right, see ya. See you later. Bye-bye.